Hello everyone, I'm Annie Gibbons and you're listening to Memoirs of Successful Women, the podcast where you get to hear candid conversations with fascinating women from around the globe who share aspects of their business and life journey, how they measure their success and what they have learnt along the way. Today you'll be meeting Joy McClymont, who's an inspirational, down-to-earth Aussie outback mama four, who is dedicated to providing access to top-level fitness, nutrition and motivational strategies for people in any location, including rural, regional and remote Australia. Whether they're somewhere in the middle of nowhere or a stay-at-home parent in the inner city suburbs, Joy provides an opportunity for them to feel supported connected and motivated. Through her company, Off The Track Training, Joy's programs are providing simple, fun and achievable solutions for health and well-being that her clients absolutely love. So welcome to the show today, Joy McClymont um, from Off The Track Training. Uh, it's really wonderful to meet you. It's exciting to be here, Annie. Thank you so much for having me. It's- I'm pumped to chat. <laughs> Uh, fantastic. I'm really looking forward to chatting to you today because I haven't had any woman on my program uh, who is really um, working as an entrepreneur and living as a mum in uh, more regional remote areas. And I know you're from Longreach in Western Queensland. What does that mean for people who live in metropolitan Sydney or Melbourne or somewhere else in a big city around the globe? <laughs> yeah, well, I live on a sheep and cattle station um, about 100 kilometres from my nearest town, which is Longreach. Um, it's not a tiny speck of a town. It's got some good services, but I wouldn't call it a bustling town city either. Um, we are about some 800 kilometres west of Rockhampton. So if people are thinking about, oh, where, where is actually Longreach? It is more in the middle of Queensland and 800 kilometres directly west of Rockhampton. So that might put it into perspective for people. Um, we only get mail twice a week. We don't shop regularly, obviously. Um, there's a lot of different things that make my life a little bit different to the normal city, country, city town person. Um, internet speed and capacity being one of them. <laughs> Telecommunications is a big issue for us. And my kids do distance education schooling as well. So um, that's part of just my job at home is to teach them in the back veranda of our house. <laughs> wow. And how many children have you got? I have four, but one is currently away at boarding school in Toowoomba um, and the other three are in primary school, varying ages of year two, year three and year five. So they'll be humming along in the back veranda for a little while yet. (laughs) Absolutely. So you're a school teacher as well as a mum and um, and a businesswoman as well. So I want to start talking soon about your off-the-track training, which is um, going to be a fascinating journey of how do you be a personal trainer and run classes in such a remote area. But first of all, can you tell me what took you to Longreach? Are you born and bred in this area? Did you you marry a farmer? What was the story of joy? (laughs) I totally married a grazier. Um, and I met him at the Ecker, which is the Brisbane show, um, as everybody meets their husbands at the Brisbane show. Um, and, but I was a country girl. I'm originally from Gundawindi um, on the Queensland New South Wales border. Um, we had a small farm there. And it's so weird because my first, I was actually a teacher, um, first and foremost. So I know that everyone's thinking, oh, 
crikey, how does she teach her kids in the back veranda? But I was actually a teacher, so I have got a little bit of a, um, yeah, a little bit of a heads up. So when I finished um, teacher training, which was, you know, my uni degree in Armidale, New South Wales, I moved, my first job was actually the Sunshine Coast. And I put in for Charleville and all these other remote places and I got the coast. And it was great, but I, you know those places you never really feel quite grounded in. You feel like you're a bit of a square peg in a round hole. And that's how I was and that's how I felt at the sunny coast. And then I went overseas and taught um, in London and travelled overseas for two years. All this time I sort of got tied up in triathlons. And then when I came back from overseas, I got a job in Charters Towers, um, which is better known as Charlie's Trousers in, North, in the northern part of Queensland. And I taught at distance education there. So a bit like my kids are doing distance ed now, I used to be a distance ed teacher. Um, and then I, you know, made some friends and mutual friends with who my husband, you know, have connections with my husband. And that's how I met him. And so I eventually got a transfer out here to Longreach, taught at the at the high school for a little while, then taught at distance ed, and then I was a one teacher small school principal. So one teacher school, seven different grades, and the school was on a property not far from where I live now called Eversham. Um, and I had, yeah, seven kids and seven different grades in a multi-age school room. So yeah, wow. that was the start of my um, long reach adventure. <laughs> oh my goodness. So you've actually taught on the program to your children plus many, many more on the same program that your children are now in. Yeah, and it was very different back then because we were doing lessons via the radio two-way and now obviously it's so fancy. They've got, you know, video and and phone and everything's online and so distance ed's really evolved Um, and as is our business over time. You know, I can remember when I started off the track training, I was faxing my clients, their program <laughs> And it seems just so ridiculous now. But that's, that's, what we, that's what we had to use, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. So during COVID, when the rest of the country or world have actually, all these parents everywhere have went, oh, my gosh, how do you homeschool children as well? You've actually, that's been an easy part of your, your journey during this time of lockdown. <laughs> Yeah, no disruption there. Just yeah, the only disruption we had was that everybody else in the world was on on the internet, so mm. our speed was really terrible. <laughs> like, get off! Why don't you go back to your own school? We've got a distance here. <laughs> so yeah, it was different. Stop taking my bandwidth. I'm urgently. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So you've always been an athlete. You've always been one of these healthy girls um, loving sport uh, is my understanding. And so what then um, did it require for you to set up off the track training? What does that look like running it from Longreach? Yeah, it's interesting you say I've always been a healthy and sporty person because I've definitely been sporty. But I would say on reflection, I haven't always been healthy. Mm. with that sport um and so I suppose for me I reflect back to what I was like as a as a little kid I was very sporty as a little kid all through my primary school years and and even my teenage years but I wouldn't necessarily say I was always a healthy teenager and definitely not as healthy an athlete as I could have been in my 20s and even my 30s and so Um, I really reflect on that journey a lot because I was doing some really big events in my 20s, um, Ironman triathlons and things like that. 
And even though that would usually classify me as a healthy, fit person, I was definitely fit, but I, I wouldn't say I was healthy. And I had an unhealthy relationship with, with food and my body. And I know a lot of women will have experienced this. This is not unusual. And I'm certainly not um, saying anything that people aren't aware of here. But that, that experience has actually taught me a lot in my later years in life about what it means to be healthy and fit. So you can definitely be fit, but not necessarily healthy, um, which I look, I'm a 43-year-old now, and I think I'm the healthiest and fittest I've ever been. And even though I can't do an Ironman triathlon, there's a bucket load of other things that constitute good health. Um, it's not just endurance. So anyway, that's a bit of a side, a side yeah, factor I, there. I think it's a really interesting point that you make because a lot of people actually look at people who are fit. You know, if you're running a triathlon or doing some crazy event, the, the average person, I, I, I'm quite happy to say, go, they must be super healthy. You know, we equate yeah. it to be the same. You know, and it, and it almost makes, well, you wouldn't be able to do that if you weren't healthy. So please tell mm. us a little bit more about, well, what did, does unhealthy look like? How does that happen? How can you be an athlete yeah. and be unhealthy? Well, you definitely can be. I, I know a lot of people that train really hard and um, but just, yeah, it's about nutrition and it's about mindset and your relationship with exercise. I think that for me, um, that was certainly not such a positive thing back in my 20s. And, and I've had to really work on my relationship with exercise and make sure that I was doing it for the right, the reasons that I felt were important to me, not just because of a body image um, and eat because I needed it as a healthy um, person who needed to be positive and have energy and a good mindset and not eat just for a way of what I look like or or trying to meet a standard within a sport or perception that I have about what it means or what you'd have to look like when you're healthy or when you're fit. And even it even flows on to me as a personal trainer now. I, you know, I have to think, well, I don't look like the 20-year-old Kayla Ritzines. Am I okay to be in this fitness spectrum looking like a 43-year-old mum of four? Am I, is that okay? Do people still respect me for that? And am I okay with that? So I think it's all about... Um, understanding what healthy and fit means to you and what it truly means from a cellular level inside you not just from what you look like on the outside so um, a couple of years ago I, I under had undertaken a really big goal and running a hundred kilometer trail run and I wanted to do this to see if I could train like I used to mm -hmm. so I thought oh, in my 20s you know I did Ironman I need something to challenge me to see if I've still got it within me to do something like that and to stick to a program and to train for that long to put in the hours and I needed something scary and there's nothing like a 100k trail run to scare you into yeah, making sure you do every <laughs> single session yeah <laughs> yeah um and from that though I started to slip back into the whole idea of okay to do a 100k trail run I've got to be nice and lean and light and so as you know that impacted on the way I ate and even when you're exercising at a high level you actually can lose a bit of your appetite mm. and so you're not necessarily hungry and it was really interesting Annie, because I trained a lot for that my diet didn't um, improve it actually deteriorated I would say um, because I just got so tired and I wasn't feeding myself properly 
and I actually gained weight. So my body changed really significantly because I wasn't feeding it enough. I was overtraining. And so I slipped back into what I did when I was doing Ironman and it was so interesting. I did manage to do the 100K and get spat out um, semi-alive semi um, and I think I've got post-traumatic um, event disorder never to go back and do 100K ever again. <laughs> you tick that baby off your list. <laughs> <laughs> I never want to go back there. But I learnt a lesson again. I thought, wow, isn't that interesting? That, that type of training, that perception of health and fitness does not suit me anymore. Mm. I'm not into it. And I, my diet slipped in it. And I took a long time to get back on my feet with eating healthy, nourishing myself effectively, and coming back to a, a fitness regime that fitted with my life, that didn't overwhelm me and take me away from my kids all the time and make me feel guilty for me. That mm. was where what was happening in the 100K. And then to come back to being, uh, okay, you know what? This fitness regime actually suits me. I don't feel like I'm in pain all the time. I don't feel like I'm tired all the time. So I had to do the 100K to test it again. And so that's what, that's a bit of my issue. Not everybody, you know, definitely this is not the norm, but it certainly means that you can be fit enough to run 100K and do an Ironman, mm. but actually be eating crappy and your energy being low and your skin disruptive and weight gain, visceral fat and stress levels high and hormonal fluctuations. I mean, this whole gamut of things that go on in the body that's nothing to do, you know, that's got so many other follow-on effect, effects mm. from how you're exercising and what you're eating. Yeah. I think I, thank you for sharing that because it, it brings me back to, I did a, a I've done a couple of um, trips to uh, Everest Base Camp and did the high passes in Nepal. And I, and I noticed it, I, I was surprised once when I was doing it, I'm thinking it's this is the most important time that I'll eat, even if I'm not hungry, I'll drink, even though I don't feel thirsty. Cause I was so into the prep um, because it was a really big deal for me. Cause I was definitely punching above my weight. Uh, and then I noticed other people like not, and then I'm like, going don't you need something and they're going oh no I'm actually going to use this as a time to lose weight and so here you're doing this most extreme event mm. you know or not an event but a, an adventure a trip when you need to feed your body and nurture your body love your body through this experience and it's kind of like wow um if you're actually going to choose to then rob your body of, of health uh, during that time, yes, you achieve the event, but you also then are sluggish and the recovery is not there and it's actually a damaging process to then put through on your body, you know. And I noticed that yeah. too um, in, in other, other athletic events that I've had. I, I now look and I watch people and I, I'm surprised by the amount of people who go, oh, no, I don't, you know, I don't need food at this time. I'm just focusing on the run or the event or, or whatever. Or mm. psychologically thinking, oh, this will be a good time for me to actually lose a few Ks, knowing that the body actually does what you were saying, which often it, it then goes and says, what is going on? I'm just going to hold on to some... <laughs> Fats in, yeah, case, yeah. And in case this human does this to me again, I need to go into <laughs> self-protection mode. Uh, it's crazy. Absolutely. Yep, it is. And um, I think that more and more uh, as I train people in off-the-track training, that's becoming even more paramount to me about the importance of, of making sure that you do not slip into energy deficiency. And, it, you know, I think the biggest issue with women is not overeating, it's actually undereating these days like we've yeah. gone into the the calorie deficit all the time and that either sends us into a binge or 
it does the complete opposite to what we want it to do. Yeah. So, yeah, that's been something amazing that I've learned from definitely all the people that I've trained within off the track training, but also my own journey, you know, like, and upon your reflection as well, it's, it's really, it's really evident these days. Yeah, absolutely. So how does off the track training work? You're based in Longreach and you have, I'm assuming clients remote. Is it a bit like the, the school kids doing their online courses? How does training work? Well, off the track training, you know, it does have a definite major client base that are all in rural and remote Australia and even some overseas. They're predominantly people that are living in isolated situations. And so that isolated situation phrase, that can apply to someone living in the city, especially during coronavirus. So it's people that don't have access to a lot of um, guidance, a lot of support a lot of expert advice and and, um, things like that on the health and fitness front. And they find it easier and more achievable for them to fit things in around their life at home. Um, So essentially for me, that's how off the track training was born really. It was from my experience living here on the property. I was so far from my friends working out together from gyms, trainers, sealed roads. Um, And I remember the day exactly when off the track training came into my mind and I said I was going to create it was the day that I was going for a, a pathetic little jog after my first child was born. I had a fly veil on with 10,000 flies around me. It was really hot and it was all, it was only like seven o'clock. It was 35 degrees at seven o'clock. And, um, and I had six bras on, I think, because I was feeding and it was just the most unfun run. And I thought to myself at that point, I'm someone who's always been sporty. I love exercise. I believe in the importance of it. I really want this me time, but this is really unfun. This is and so uncool. This is do it if you don't uh, have it. Why would any average person do it? <laughs> exactly. I was thinking if I find this hard, imagine what it's like for the person that does not have any idea what to do, has feels worse than I do and is and is feeling like they're in, you know, no man's land and hasn't got any motivation to do it. So that's when I thought, Radio, I need to create um, an opportunity for people to train with me because I need it and yep. I know they need it. And so that's when I just started calling friends and saying, hey, I'll write the program. Let's get together and, and tune in. I'll ring you once a week. I'll write some sessions that fit in with our life on a property and with kids and other roles and responsibilities, ones that you can do indoors and outdoors because, you know, not everybody can get outside all of the time. Yeah. Um, if husbands are away or partners are away or if the weather's really bad. So I needed options. So as me, for me, I needed options. I needed um, flexibility to fit in with life. And that's what I hadn't gotten used to mm-hmm. as a person who lived in the city who didn't have children who had everything at their disposal and their time was their own. I wasn't used to, um, you know, not having a strict routine of getting up and making sure I did my work out then. That doesn't always work, yeah. especially on a property like ours where you could get up and for a week we were landmarking. And so you don't fit your workout in because you're lifting lambs at 5am and you work until late. So how do we tick this fitness box that fits in with life? And that was really my challenge but also what off the track training was built around. It was about fitting in fitness for life. It was about fitting in and and prioritizing ourselves uh, so that we could be our best with every other aspect of our lives, all the other roles. I don't want fitness to take away your energy 
for other roles you have in life. I want it to give you energy. And so being really clever with that. And the most significant part of off-the-track training is the connection and the community. Mm. Because without that, everybody is still all alone. So for me, it was, it was absolutely key for us to stay connected with our members and still is to this day and to be um, a person or now I've got a team of trainers and experts that can answer questions that people feel comfortable in saying, hey, look, I've fallen off the wagon for two weeks. How can I get back on? Or I'm having this problem with my diet or I'm having this problem with my ankle. Or So bringing all that support and advice to people who don't usually have access to any of that mm -hmm. apart from Dr. Google was such a key part and is such a key part of off-the-track training. Mm. Oh, I think it just sounds fantastic and so important for what you're saying at the end there, community, you know, to actually mm. be saying, you know, it's framed around healthy healthy life and, and, and food and fitness and, and all of that, but it actually brings us together as, um, you know, regional and remote um, citizens who are actually often very isolated, can be lonely, can have crazy schedules, can have situations mm. that just don't, you know, people in, in the cities don't have to cope with, you know. Or also, as you were saying, maybe some people in the city were, are feeling like you did when you, when you went up to um, the Sunshine Coast. You know, you can be very isolated in a city. And so mm. it's so yeah. wonderful when you actually have a community of people who are checking on you for all the right reasons. They actually just want you to be the best version of yourself. And what does that look like mm. around your situation? And so do you have kids? Do you, do you what's happening on your property? Um, um, what's happening in your other business and life, what's happening in your own health. Yeah. It's so important to frame around that. So that is really great. A thing you tapped on into before was um, the flexibility, I think, of the resources. So here you are on a farm. So unlike going up to the gym and, you know, getting on the, on the dumbbells or, or on a treadmill or whatever, what does training therefore look? Do you use the natural resources around you? Yeah, I did definitely at the start because... Um, I'm no gym junkie uh, and I, I hadn't done a lot of, you know, gym classes and, and stuff like that. So for me, it was actually probably a good thing coming onto a property because I wasn't missing anything. But um, it is important, especially as a woman, to make sure that you are doing regular strength. And so I started really scouting around the place here for things that I didn't have to buy, things that I could just use around here. There's plenty of stuff. Um, that I could use for extra body weight, for extra load. And, and that was actually a challenge, but it was also really creative and, and fun to do. And I never wanted off-the-track training to be an expensive, gimmicky thing that you had to buy this special stuff to do because that fuss just takes away the time and energy we have for exercise. I don't want it to be fussy. I want it to be simple so people actually do it. Um, and so the things that I use around the property still to this day and I got a you know I got given a second hand pair of uh, weight plates so I use them now too like they're my standard flash <laughs> flash piece I think the only piece of gym equipment I've bought is a is one kettlebell that I had a voucher for rebel sport and I thought uh, I'm just gonna buy one wow. kettlebell because I really yeah I was sick of using the truck spring that I was using previously um so I we have these great round rocks on our property and I use them a lot. They're sort of like heavy medicine balls and they were perfect. Um, and the second piece of equipment that is just 
you know, served me so well is the good old crowbar. <laughs> I have done so much crowbar work that I can remember walking down our airstrip, holding the crowbar above my head and then holding it out in front. And then I had lots of old chain. I mean, we're on a property, so there is lots of metal junk around. There's an old bathtub down at our, um, our scrap iron heap. And I mean, that sounds really odd, but every property has a scrap iron heap. Yeah. So a scrap iron heap down here and there's an old bathtub turned over and it's the perfect box jump height. And so step ups, box jumps, things like that. Um, so using what you have around you is so important because it takes away the expense and the fuss of fitness for me. And you actually start to get really creative and explore. So, you know, off the track training is essentially about also exploring your landscapes because when you are living on a property, you can be taking the same tracks to places each and every day. And for us, I think it's important that we get off the beaten track every now and again and, and start to look for the, the, the beauty that we see when we're out exercising. I mean, for a lot of women on properties, um, the stimulus to go for a walk by themselves um, without a necessary need to check a trough or anything is actually quite rare. Mm. And so off the track training, when we put you know, programs together, there'll be a 30-minute steady walk or jog or whatever, and that people will go, oh, I went on this cattle <laughs> pad that I've never been on and I've seen this thing I've never seen before. So it gives people permission to prioritise themselves and to explore a little bit as well of their own backyard. Mm. There is so much value in exploring your own backyard. You know, and I know you're mm. doing this on a farm, but I've even found that in our local area when I took up hiking to do my adventures. Mm. It's like, oh, my gosh, I could not believe. Suddenly I had a reason, you know, going on the hike uh, yeah. to suddenly go, oh, I better, better train up for that. I better find some trails. I could not believe how many beautiful areas there were just in my local um, local surrounds because we, we end up doing the same routine every day. You know, if you go to a certain mm. beach, you go to that beach. If you do that trail, you do a trail. You go to a lookout, you go to that lookout. And then there's all these other routes. And that's right, when you actually get there and you go, oh, it's beautiful. You'll suddenly see <laughs> wildlife or sunsets or views from a different perspective. And it's like, I can't believe it's always been there. So it is wonderful. Yeah. It's almost like permission to enjoy your entire um, surrounds and, and for the beauty that it is. But so much of that is, you know, I know as a mum of five, it's that permission or reason to go, oh, just have some time for yourself, mm -hmm. just to actually, mm -hmm. even if you don't go to look at something specifically, just to be, just to think, mm -hmm. just to, mm -hmm. you know, have some fresh air, to enjoy nature, to get your thoughts together, to take a journal, to, to do whatever. Yeah. And, and, and that's right, those, those walks, the, the Ks add up, don't they? <laughs> yeah, totally. And um, it's so funny because when I had really little kids, I used to, I, the, a quote came up on something I was reading once and it said, you're one workout away from a good mood. And I always remember it. I think that is so true. I could be an absolute cranky cow, leave that house, go for a run, walk, whatever, come back and I'm high-fiving the world. It is complete <laughs> mind shift. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's the best treatment for a bad mood and people get surprised by that often i find that people think oh but that means you know you've got to go for a run or this massive effort but actually it can be you know i'm in i'm in suburbia so it could be just a walk around the block you know it could be just being a little bit physical as you were saying you know even during covid you know if you don't have weights you can lift the come out tomato soup cans do you know what i mean just do something to get your body shifting um it doesn't have to be extreme and i think that's a really important thing that you must have to deal with with a lot of different clients of going well that's right i i feel intimidated by how athletic athletic people are do you know what i mean like how much do i have to do to to meet the goal, to achieve the aim, you know. So yeah. what, what do you, how do you work with those that sort of situation? I have one saying that is so pathetic, but it's been the most significant thing for myself and others. Something is always better than nothing. Don't ever underestimate the power of the small somethings. And everybody's got to start somewhere. Do you want to be the person that never started because they, I mean, we have to get away from this all or nothing approach. I've yeah. got to be all in. I've got to be 100%. I've got to work hard, do a session hard every day. That is actually seriously detrimental. Mm. One, physically, mentally, and motivation-wise, you can't sustain that. Mm. So, you know, as a fitness trainer, and I've done a lot of study when it comes to exercise science, and especially female health and performance, the one thing that everybody says, whether they're training elite athletes or everyday athletes, is that it's the 80-20 rule. 80% of your workouts are just steady, moderate. 20% might be ouchy. And the most important thing that you can ever balance is overload and recovery. And this is the thing. When people are fed a story about fitness and losing weight, they're fed this story that it's got to be all the time, banging, hard, high intensity. There is nothing more detrimental to the body than if you're pounding it all the time without rest and putting that extra stress on it Because you're only as good as the session you recover from. So if you're always overloading your body with exercise and and then you've got to live a life, don't forget. So you put life expectations and then you put exercise on top of that. If you never take the pedal off the metal, then you ain't ever going to be able to accelerate. Mm. And if you're never going to be able to, you know, go that next level or challenge your body or, you know, um, up the ante a little bit, then your results for health and fitness will be very limited and they'll actually decline. Now, this isn't just something for, you know, everyday athletes. This is how professional athletes train. And that's why that balance between overload and recovery is so important. Rest and work. We've got to have it. We've got to have rest in order to work. So that, I think, the key messages for all of our members in Joyce Fitness Hub and off-the-track training at the moment is this. We're about teaching people how to be their best trainer at home because nobody understands you like you do. So you have to be the judge of what you have done in your day that, that week or whatever and where your stress levels are at, where's your sleep at, and then decide what exercise is going to be conducive to you at that point. Because no trainer can, can determine that. You have to be smart about what your body needs and what it doesn't need. Mm. So huge turning points for people um because we don't feed them a boot camp style type of exercise routine Mm. and unfortunately that's what is fed to them as being the thing that's conducive to long-term health and fitness or losing weight and it's not it's actually detrimental um 
in our perspective and what we know. I mean, most of our members have actually trained with us for four years plus, mm. and that's because they can maintain it. And yeah. the one thing that we focus on is consistency. You're always going to get results and you're always going to learn about your body and create this healthy, fit lifestyle for life if you are focused on consistency. Yeah. I think that that's the key, isn't it? There's so many parallels. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a CEO um, of a couple of businesses and, and it, it actually parallels. You know, I want to be making sure that we're working at that 80% because we'll have sprints. You can't be sprinting all the time. You know, and even right. in business, we use that terminology. So whether you're getting a new website or upgrading a CRM or doing a new social media campaign, they're all sprints that we prepare for, get ready and now really make a massive input impact and then around those sprints our capacity for that final 20 percent is then influenced greatly by a lot of other variables so in business it might be you know staffing and resources and budget and and you know sick sickness or COVID or whatever you know for yeah. for when you're doing business and life you know um lifetime fitness there's there's also other variables such as you know droughts and and other mm -hmm. you know f sick children and other other factors around you that you have to be really kind to yourself and i you know i, I know i do a lot of work now on actually giving that permission to you need to re-energize you need to self-love self-care refuel to then and be able to do those sprints so i think we focus mm. on the sprints as the as everything we have to do but it actually mm. is just the the if you can have those regular um timed um prepared sprints you'll you'll end up being able to sustain it for a very long time which is what you want isn't yeah. it you want to be here in 10 years 20 years going this is just my life this is how i keep healthy keep fit achieve goals um you know, have fun. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I always refer to it like brushing your teeth. You know, fitness has just got to be something like, oh, I feel like something's missing today. Oh, I haven't brushed my teeth. Oh, and I haven't done my workout. So yeah. <laughs> it's like, just got to be like something like that. And having knowledge to choose sessions that are fit with your time, fit with life and fit with how, where your energy's at. And that knowledge is important. It's always something that underpins off the track trainings. We have to teach people about why we set these types of workouts, why we um, encourage this way of eating or why we encourage eating that type of food. What's, you know, you've got to know this stuff. When you know more, you do more. So they've got to be their best trainers um, ultimately at the end of the day. Mm. So this podcast is all about memoirs of successful women. What does success look like for you as a businesswoman, first of all? Oh, Annie, that's a, <laughs> that's a tough question, isn't it? <laughs> um, for me, I just, I've always had this drive to overcome the impossibilities, to overcome your category in life and how you've boxed yourself or where you might be from or what you can possibly do. I just think that um, for me, success is overcoming those, seeking the, the possibilities beyond the impossible mm. for myself and for people. Um, because we are way more capable than we give ourselves credit for. And I don't, I don't believe in thinking that because we live somewhere, that's all we can achieve. Mm. Or because um, of what we haven't got, that limits us. I just believe that anything, anything is truly possible and it just comes down to how much you want to get it done. 
and mm. what you want to do with your time here in this one body, one life world. We can decide that we want to fight for it or we can decide that there's other things that are more important and, and that is totally up to the individual. Mm. So success for me is about overcoming those those categories, about seeking the possibilities beyond the impossible and and living a life that you truly are excited to be a part of. I know we travelled overseas last year and we did two amazing things. We went to the Faroe Islands, which is near between Iceland and Denmark. Beautiful. And it was the most amazing location. It was really (laughs) so intriguing and then we cycled around transylvania which is not your standard (laughs) not your standard holiday destination but when we did those two things we realized that the thing that really filled our cup was adventure Mm. and we know we need adventure in our lives we need um and it doesn't have to happen every day and it doesn't have to happen every year but it really filled our cup so I think that we sometimes feel like we're under the control of other influences in life and we can't make a decision about our own. That's the challenge, is to get back in the driver's seat of where you're going and what you want to do in life. It may not have an end point, actually, but at least each and every day you're going to be excited about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So success to me is a bit of a mixture of that. It's about seeking those possibilities and also feeling darn happy with how things are rolling for you. Like each day going, you know what? I'm pretty happy with the direction I'm going or what I'm doing today. I'm, I'm excited about it because, yeah, for me that... And sometimes I think, oh, is there an end point to success? I don't think there's even an end point. I think it's just how you, how you live each and every day and how you show up to work and, and are you feeling pretty darn content with yourself. Um, that that to me is what constitutes success. Yeah. Beautifully said, beautifully said. I often find, uh, yeah, beneath the what what success looks like has to be how does it feel? You know, you're actually yeah. craving a feeling and, and as we mm. evolve and, and get ourselves um, more in tune with, you know, our values and what makes us tick, like that mix of, you know, business or family or travel, um, health, hobbies, whatever that mix is uh, to achieve that balance and, and happiness, uh, we'll have a feeling, you know, and it's the feeling I think that we chase. And that's right. You don't have to have that every day. You don't every day have to be having this amazing holiday, but it's certainly a driver uh, to then get out and do your fitness and your adventure, you know, things to prepare for it. Um, or, you know, just that feeling of actually just being happy and content drives you to then um, put things into your day and reach out to certain people, have them in your environment, supporting you, um, building that sense of community because it feels good. You know, do you find yeah. that it's more about the feeling? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. And like, you know, I think we have to get in tune with that, get in tune with whether we feel really grounded and solid with where we're at or if there's something in our gut just telling us that things ain't so aligned and uh, we know it. Mm. It's what we do about it and whether we acknowledge it and whether we work at trying to figure out what it is that's a little bit shaky. But the gut will always tell us it's so weird, isn't it? It's like, yeah. I just have this, you know, I know that something's not quite a fit and we might have spurts, but, oh, no, I'm overthinking it. No, no, I'm coming back. This is just not quite right. So, 
Um, I know I've been through lots of stages like that and it's been the catalyst for great change. Mm. It's been the thing where I've gone, something's just not quite right. I've got to figure this out. And then once you, you decide and you determine what it is, it can be the turning point that can be to your next level of success or a really great change in your business or your life. And then you just go, wow, I'm, I feel amazing. I can't believe I didn't do that sooner. So <laughs> uh, we always say that to ourselves, like, what was I thinking? Uh, when you get those <laughs> aha moments, those light bulb moments of, oh my gosh, it feels like a no brainer now. But when you're in, in it, you're like, this is so hard. Why am I procrastinating? Yeah. Why am I stopping? Why am I doubting? Why am I fearing? And then suddenly, as soon as you get to that next step, you go, oh, goodness me, I should have done that 10 years ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what do you find are the biggest challenges for um, people coming into your fitness programs and doing that remote and juggling, you know, their, their lifestyles? What are the biggest um, reasons and that they have difficulty in being able to achieve the goals that they set for themselves? Overwhelm, definitely. First one, they, um, they just feel like there's so much to do and how could they possibly prioritise themselves over this list of must-dos. So overwhelm and, and a lack of prioritising that me time or, or just believing that it's important. Mm. Um, so for us in off-the-track training, you know, they, we can set sessions but, and we can keep in touch with them and we can give them lots of opportunities to connect. At the end of the day... The ball has to be in their court and we really do everything we can to make them connect with us because that truly is the only thing that will shift them yeah. from being at that point where they just feel overwhelmed and don't know where to start. There are often people that have just tried so many different things and not been able to crack it. Um, and, not, and then so many other factors at play when you're living isolated. There's, you know, nobody else is doing it. You're the only one on the place. So we always really try and provide the backup, the person yeah. that you're training with, even though we're not there. And so we try and overcome a lot of those feelings of isolation, that lack of connectedness through, you know, lots of coaching calls and contact as much as possible. Um, so, yeah, that would be the biggest two challenges. And, and we structure so much of what we do around trying to help people overcome that. Um, and it's a journey. It can take people years to really understand or believe in the importance of prioritising themselves, prioritising their health, um, fitting it in with life. Mm. It's always a juggle. There's never a routine. It's, it's always a bit of a hit and miss. There'll be ebbs and flows. But understanding that that is the journey. Mm. And, and it is like that for everybody and there's more to gain from undertaking the journey even though it's rocky, then never starting it. I 100%. truly believe that we just have to do the journey to learn. We have to make mistakes. That's why I, have to do, I had to do the 100K. I had to fall off the wagon. I had to really stuff up in order to learn. And, and that's okay. That's the journey. So if I could create a program called the up and down, ins and outs, <laughs> and um, falling on and off the wagon journey and sell it, I would. Because hopefully that would make people realise that motivation is not a constant. Life is not a constant. So it's about people, I think, for us is communicating that message to people and making it okay. 
Don't mm. slip into browbeating yourself up and judging yourself too harshly because you missed a week. Mm. When you're thinking about this health and fitness perspective for life, then a week becomes nominal, becomes yeah. so insignificant because there's always going to be so many more weeks ahead of you. So don't judge yourself too harshly. Mm. They would be the key factors. There's many, but they're the, they're the ones that I think definitely at this moment we're working on with people a lot. I love that. And so just to finish, what is your ultimate goal? What do you want to achieve um, by through off-the-track training and through your work with women in, in these remote areas? What's your dream? Oh, my dream is for people to have a really positive and healthy perspective on health and fitness and what it means for their life, for their quality of life. I mean, I want to get away from the fact that it might make you a size eight. And I mean, there is nothing that excites me about exercise, striving for a six pack. And that might sound stupid coming from a trainer, but I've tried. I've tried to set my goals around what I look like and it doesn't work. Mm. It, it doesn't conjure up a positive relationship with fitness. And even to the point where I'm training people now and saying, I know that you might have a weight loss goal, but let's just put that on the side and think about what else this is going to do for you. Mm. Because there's not, so if I was going to do one thing, if I was going to, you know, strive for anything, it would be to change people's relationship with fitness and see how it can benefit, see the impact it has on their life when they are healthy and fit in a positive way. Fantastic. And I know that 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 resonates with me. I know when I've gone through different stages of, of, of fitness, it, it's made a massive difference if it's actually about, you know, people ask me now, well, why do you still, you know, exercise so much and still do your trainings because you've done those, those big adventures. And I said, my goal now is actually that I'm, I'm ready off the couch. You know, if someone says something's fun, we're going to go on this hike, we're going to go on this adventure. Yeah. I actually go, I can then do a spurt to get there, you know, so yeah. I'm quite happy to go. I might be sitting at my 80% now, but if I suddenly have, you know, we were going to do Kokoda this year or if I did Kilimanjaro or something like that, I go, I only have to uh, uh, apply myself for that next 20% to get right up there, but I am off the yeah. couch ready. And I like that sort of principle uh, that it doesn't have to be just to wear a certain outfit or to, to look good at a certain event or a party because those moments are fleeting and you're looking for sustainability. And so, mm when you actually go no it's part of my lifestyle it's part of the feeling when I'm on the for me when I'm at the top of the mountain and go oh my gosh look what I've done you know it's pretty exciting yeah. um and the adventure not just for me me personally those I go with because I'm obviously then aligning with like-minded people um thankfully my husband but a lot of gorgeous friends as well who then <laughs> enjoy that experience together then that sort yeah. of is the motivation the core motivation to to achieve the goal of the daily discipline of just exercise it doesn't then become yeah. a chore. It actually becomes part of the fuel to give you that buzz, that feeling, that opportunity to, to live a healthy uh, life. Yeah, and not to mention what your kids see you doing and what habits they pick up. You know, for me as a parent, and you too, Annie, you know, those things, you cannot purchase them. They will see with their lives what you're, how you're living and that will, that will reflect in their lives. And I'm hoping that they have a sense of adventure like my husband and I do. And I yeah. hope they have a healthy relationship with health and fitness.
I think that's such a goal for for mums. You know, ultimately we all live our own journeys, but it is wonderful. It's a wonderful opportunity to lead by example, and you know, and that's right. It sets down core foundations of you know what a healthy life looks like, and and how it's not a chore. It's not like work. It actually is just the way to be the best version of yourself. And I think that's a wonderful gift mm. that we can give uh, to our families. Well, thank Definitely. you so much for your time on my program today. It's been such a joy, joy. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversations. I feel like I'd love to have a lovely trip out to Longreach and <laughs> check out your property and see where you yeah. adventure uh, one day. It shows shows women everywhere that, yeah, just, just get out, get out in nature, whether it's on the trail nearby you in, in suburbia or if it's finding a beautiful um, location in, in some mountains or go and find find some hills or or even go you know go off the grid sometime and just find the beauty that is um you know at reach for all of us uh we just have yeah. to be flexible and um and always i think you know find a friend or connect with someone uh definitely reach out to joy uh if her her business um style suits you because it, it then instantly gets you into a community of like-minded people who are your support tribe you know they'll get you through those mm -hmm. highs and lows that we all have and uh yeah. so it's a wonderful thing uh that you've set up and i'm just so thrilled that you offer this service to uh women all around uh the country so Thank you. Well, thank you for having me, Annie. It's been great to chat. And I love, I love a good chat anyway, but wonderful experience. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Memoirs of Successful Women. You can find me at anniegibbons.com where you can download my free resources, get connected on social and check out my online magic transformation program. If you love this show, feel free to subscribe to future episodes and, of course, share it with your friends. I'll see you again soon and until then, happy podcasting.